Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We need to take seriously God's instruction regarding our roles in the marriage. So if I understand, okay, marriage is God's thing, it's His stewardship to me, it's His gift to me, so, wow, that's serious stuff. What do I do? How do I do this? And God's given us instruction in His Word. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, in a message titled, Jesus, Marriage, and the Christian. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, because marriage is God's institution... It is not to be replaced with something more culturally relevant. 70% of people say there's no moral problem with divorce. But but again, if we understand that marriage isn't our invention, it didn't evolve out of society, but it's something that God invented, then we would be wise, to say the least, to pay attention to Uh, what he has to say about it. Now, since we believe marriage is God's invention, we are going to pay attention to what God had to say about it. We can't control the culture. We can't enforce our position or, you know, demand that they see things from our perspective. That's really not even our job to do that. Our position and our obligation is really, since we believe that marriage is God's invention, is that we understand it and we comply according to what God's desire is for marriage. So that brings us to the second question, what is the purpose of marriage? So we see that God's the author, the originator, the inventor of marriage, but what did he have in mind? What was the purpose? What is the purpose currently? Well, when you go back to the very beginning, you see there in Genesis 2, the Lord God said, looking at creation and looking now at, um, at Adam. So at this point, there's only the man. And God's looking at the whole thing, and this is what he said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper that is suitable or comparable to him. So based upon that, I think that we could say that the primary purpose of marriage is companionship. God sees that everything is good except this one thing. And the one thing that's not good is that man is lonely. He needs a companion. He needs somebody that is comparable to him. Somebody that is suitable. Somebody that is really, in a sense, Uh, complementary to him. And so companionship is right at the top of the list. Mental and emotional companionship. Somebody that you can share your, your feelings with and experience those wonderful life experience with. A soulmate. Somebody that you can be intellectually 
stimulated by, challenged by, somebody that you would have this kind of a relationship with. That's what God is uh, wanting to bring about here. But there's also the element of the physical companionship. And of course, to have the mental and the emotional, you, I mean, because we're all of those things combined into one, but the physical companionship here, you know, I was thinking about this today. I was just thinking about, you know, marriage as really, in, in so many ways, it's like you, you get a, a partner for life. You get a, a co-laborer, somebody to do life with. And the way it usually works is you find that the person you're doing life with is very complimentary to you. I think of my own situation between Cheryl and I. And, you know, it's so interesting how we are opposite in so many ways. But, and you know, you've heard this before and you've probably witnessed it and maybe it's even your own experience. Uh, to a large degree in marriages, what you have is an opposites are attracted to one another. And what you find is that the areas where you have a deficiency, the other person has the strength. And they come in, and as you come together as, uh, as husband and wife in this, in this very special union, there's this complementary thing that's happening, and you know, you're becoming, in, in a sense, a whole person within that, that relationship. Not to say that you, you, know, you couldn't be without it, but, but for those that are called to be married and for those that God brings together, there certainly is that aspect to it. I think of how dysfunctional my life would be in many ways if I didn't have uh, my wife there to make up the difference in a lot of areas. Every time she goes out of town, I'm reminded of the dysfunctionality of my own <laughs> life. And, you know, we don't cook food, we don't do dishes, we don't do anything. We just wait for her to get home. And um, <laughs> hopefully normal things will resume when she returns. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's something about that. I was, as, as I'm looking at the passage, I'm thinking, you know, this whole idea, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, you know, like I said a moment ago, there's something deep that happens there. And that's that, that companionship that we're talking about. So that, that physical, mental, emotional companionship. And then that would be number one. Secondly, procreation. The, um, the bringing into existence of a, of a family. Now, some have mistakenly thought and taught that procreation was kind of the primary purpose of marriage. So you, 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 know, you get married to really just create a family so you can perpetuate the race. Procreation was certainly part of it. God said to Adam and Eve, you know, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But that wasn't the primary thing. And as a result of that wrong idea that a marriage was solely for procreation. Then the idea became that, you know, the sexual uh, relationship was solely for procreation. So if you, if you were having a, a sexual, you know, relationship with your spouse, but you were not doing so for the purpose of creating a child, you were instead doing it just merely for the pleasure of it, then somehow you were 
involved in sin, but all of these ideas are incorrect. They're not rooted in the scripture. They're um, philosophical ideas that would later come in. God created the sexual relationship as uh, a part of the companionship and the enjoyable element of our lives together as companions. But along with that, of course, comes the issue of procreation. The family, we've heard it many times before, you know, you know about the, the attack on the family. And of course, there's a lot of truth to that. The family is God's idea. It's, this originated with God. That there would be families, and from families would come societies. God loves the, the whole picture of a community. He loves a picture of a community because in a sense, it's a reflection of who he is. God exists in community. God is not a singular being. He, he is a triune being. So within God's very nature, there, there is a plurality. There's a community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternally existing together. That To understand that really sheds light on the, the idea of God being love. The Bible says God is love. And, and whatever God is, he always has been. So God's always been love. But if God was a singular being without a triunity, it would be very difficult to understand how he could be loved because love has to have an object. You can't love if there's nothing to love. So the fact that God is love really is kind of an indirect support for the other doctrine of the triunity in God's nature. So this community that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God wants us to experience it. So creating man in his own image and likeness giving us then the, the ability to reproduce, to procreate, so that families would develop, so that society would develop, so that community could be experienced. So God loves that. And when we enjoy that family thing, we're, we're really entering into something that is near and dear to the heart of God, something that God intended. And it's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Your family, that unit, that's God's invention. So, companionship, procreation. Thirdly, marriage, and we often do not think of it like this, but we need to. Marriage is to display to the world the relationship between God and his people. Marriage is a picture. It's a picture of the relationship between God and his people. We read it there in Ephesians 5.32. Paul says, as he's talking about, you know, leaving father and mother, clinging to his wife, the two becoming one, he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So marriage, God's intention is that people could look at a marriage and say, wow, that's, that's how God is with his people. That's why, as Paul goes on to give specific instruction to the husband and the wife, he speaks to the wife and he makes references to her that are similar to the church. Wife, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, just, just like the church is submitted. So the wife becomes sort of the model of the church, and then husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. The husband becomes a, a sort of a picture 
of the Lord himself. And so God's intention is that people would be able to look on at a marriage and get a little bit of, a, of an insight into what is possible in a relationship with him, that this is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with his people. He wants us to come and be part of his family. He wants us to enter into that, that beautiful union, to experience that wonderful companionship. So these are a few of the things. We could probably go on and list a number of other things as well, but I think these are the, the main things that we see in Scripture regarding the purpose of marriage. But then that brings us to the third point. The third point is this. Um, how do we have a God-glorifying marriage then? If that's one of the purposes of marriage, to glorify God, how can we do that? How can we assist in making that happen? Well, number one, you need to recognize your marriage as an entrustment from God. Or a stewardship is another word. You need to recognize it as an entrustment from God, and you need to be faithful to it. See, this is part of the problem with marriage in our culture today. The reason why 70% of the people see no problem with getting divorced is because they don't realize where marriage came from. It came from God. And God says to us, in essence, in our, you know, as we are being united together, he says, I'm, I'm entrusting this person to you. And I want you to be faithful to this person. I'm entrusting this relationship to you. And as children come into the picture, God is, in essence, he's saying, I'm, I'm entrusting all of this into your care. Now, you take care of this for me. A stewardship is a, it's a the word gives the idea of, of a management. God is giving you a position of manager. He's saying, now manage these things. And they're mine. I want you to take care of them. I will one day call you to give an account for these things, so be faithful. We need to recognize that. We need to get rid of the, the idea that marriage is just something that you know, we can walk in and out of or we can do with whatever we want to do with, and we're not connecting it back to a, a stewardship or an entrustment from God. Secondly, we need to recognize our marriages as a gift from God. And because it's a gift from God, he intends that we enjoy it. So it's a gift. God's, God's given us his gift. Hey, I've got this gift for you. You know, when somebody comes to you with a gift, you're anticipating that it's something good, right? And so, of course, when God comes with a gift, we can be certain that it's going to be a good thing. Marriage is God's gift. And it's to be enjoyed. Are you married today? Are you enjoying the gift of marriage? That's, that's what God intends. And marriage can be enjoyed. It really can. And it should be. And if you're not enjoying it, you need to go back to the, to the basics. You need to get back to the fundamental issue here. And, you know, what is marriage? And why is marriage? And what am I doing in this relationship? Because God wants you to enjoy it. He wants you to have a blessed experience in your marriage. You know, occasionally I will be counseling people, doing marital counseling, and I'll sit sometimes and I'll listen for maybe a half an hour or something. 
as a couple might trade insults with one another. And, you know, I, a few times I've just said, you know, hold on, pause, let's, t- you know, take a break, time out. And I'll just ask them this question. Hey, did you guys ever like each other ever at any time <laughs> in history? Did you ever like each other? How did you get together in the first place? How did you even get married? And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> a few times it's kind of shocked people. Like, well, 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 yes, we liked each other. Okay, well, let's kind of put things in reverse and go back there and Let's remember some of those things. But there's that, that, like I said initially, there's that compatibility issue. There's that companionship. There's that sharing of our emotional lives and our intellectual lives and all of that. It's to be enjoyed. God wants you to enjoy your marriage. Your marriage ideally is that you're, you're in this lifelong partnership and, and bond with your best friend. And you're just doing life with, with that friend. That's good. That's, that, that ought to be enjoyable. Thirdly, we need to, and remember the, the point here is, uh, you know, our marriage is glorifying God. We need to take seriously God's instruction regarding our roles in the marriage. So if I understand, okay, marriage is God's thing. It's his stewardship to me. It's his gift to me. So, wow, that's serious stuff. What do I do? How do I do this? And God's given us instruction in his word. Now, the interesting thing is that the Bible has a fairly limited amount of information on this, really. You know, the Bible is not a marriage manual. The only book in the Bible that could possibly be understood to be something akin to a marriage manual, although it wouldn't even be that, would be the Song of Solomon. But that is just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a small book and it's certainly not dealing with all of the issues of marriage. But we just have these, you know, occasional references and statements and instruction here and there, relatively small amount of information. But that tells us something. It tells us that we don't need to know that much to do this. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It's fairly easy if you just do what you are told to do. And what I have found over and over and over again is most of the time, the problems in a marriage are not due to a lack of information. They are due to a lack of application. Most people, most people know what they ought to do. And again, many times in counseling sessions, you know, that, that has become so obvious to me. Where I've actually said to people, look, I'm, I'm not gonna continue this uh, weekly counseling with you. We're not really getting anywhere uh, because the problem here is not lack of information. Look, you, you already know the stuff I'm talking to you about. The problem is, is not that you don't know. The problem is that you just won't do what you know to do. And oftentimes, it, it, it's, the conversation is going like this. Hey, you know, you, you need to do this. Well, I know that, but. Well, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I've got a reason why I'm not doing it. I, and, you know, well, she, if she did, then I would. And it, so it's this um, problem with application. When the Lord says, wives, 
submit to your husbands and, and all of that there. And, you know, the few other things that the scripture says, then, so the wife is to look at that and say, okay, Lord, this is my role and show me how this works itself out in my daily experience. And when the husband reads, husbands love your wives as Christ love the church and so forth, then again, there's that, okay, Lord, you know, I'm depending on you by your spirit to lead me and guide me and show me those things. And if we do that, if we take it seriously, that will lend itself to our marriages glorifying God. And then one other thing I would just add there real quickly is um, the component of being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is the very thing that's going to empower us to do this. And that, uh, Paul's reminded us that all of these things that we're talking about here in this portion of Scripture are things that come under the category, really, of the Spirit-filled life. So, in closing, the thing I want to leave you with is this. Marriage, it's God's good gift to us. It's good. And don't let the, don't, don't let the outside world try to convince you of, of something else. And, and I would say, don't even let your own bad experience convince you of, of something else. Know that if we do it God's way, it's good. God created everything and he saw that it was all very good and marriage was part of that. You say, but oh, wait a second. Don't forget the fall came and ruined everything. Well, that's true. The fall did come, sin did enter, and that did ruin much. But we can still go back by taking God's word to heart and applying it, and we can experience marriage to a certain degree, you know, as God desired for us in the pre-fall state. And that's why he's given us this instruction. But it's good. It's God's good gift to us. Cheryl and I are 34 plus years into this thing called marriage. And I know that's hard to believe. We did get married when we were 10. That's why, <laughs> that's why we appear to be so young. Um, I said, I said that earlier, and a little voice came in and said, Cheryl appears to be young. <laughs> and I had to concur. Cheryl is the one who appears to be young. I used to appear that way, and things changed very rapidly for me. So 34 plus years into this, and uh, we've had our ups and downs for sure. We've had our good times and our hard times, but all in all, it's good. It's good. And I'm so thankful that God has given me a life partner that we could go through life together and we could experience it together and we can, you know, two are better than one when it comes to the difficulties and the challenges of life. Scripture tells us that. And then, you know, there's so much to be enjoyed. There's so many good things. And for us both, things get better the further we go. And we oftentimes, you know, if we're doing something that's more marriage-oriented together, a, a retreat or something, one of the things we're doing, especially with younger couples who are struggling, is encouraging them, look, hang in there. Don't give up. Persevere. The best is yet to come. It gets better as time goes on. You get more adjusted. You get more used to each other, and your compatibility even grows. And then, wow, you know, pretty soon you just... It's hard to imagine doing this without that other person. So it's God's good gift. 
And if we do it God's way, it's a beautiful thing. For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. Baptism, the gifts of the Spirit, women in ministry, the rapture, and creation. These are only a handful of doctrines that have caused division throughout the history of the church, and they continue to divide today. But the unity of the church is essential for the mission of the church. So in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides practical wisdom that can be personally applied when faced with doctrines that have divided. He exhorts all Christians to be honest, tactful, and gracious, because humility is the way to unity. If you want to be equipped to be doctrinally balanced, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.